will pray for Nigeria. I believe in the destiny of this nation. And I believe in your power for a turnaround. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we receive grace over everyone making a commitment to pray for Nigeria that evil will no longer rest upon our land. Lord, that you will pour out your mercy over this nation, that our young sons and daughters will no longer be murderers and prostitutes in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we bless your daughter, Sister Anna, this morning. We ask that evil shall continually pass over her and our entire household in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we approach your word this morning, we approach your word with simplicity of heart and we ask that your spirit will move over your word this morning. Make it a blessing to every hearer and let it be that no one will be the same again. Pervade and permeate this atmosphere with your glory and with your power. We thank you for our kids in the junior church and in the teens church. We ask, let the same spirit move over them this morning. Let Make this a time of transformation and let your name be glorified in Jesus' precious name. Or say, believe in amen. amen. Or I say, better amen. amen. All right, we're continuing our series this morning, Oxygen. And this morning I'm speaking of what I've titled Four Types of Heart. Four Types of Heart. Four Types of Heart. That's, that's what I'm sharing this morning. But before I go ahead to share, uh, have you asked your neighbor how the week went? How was the past week? In church, we're family, and we need to ask, you know, after ourselves, uh, ask your neighbor, how are you doing? Yeah, how are you doing? All right, if there's anyone in this service this morning, you have any form of pain in your heart, you're going through stuff, and you, you, you need for, you know, maybe for somebody to just hold your hand and pray in agreement with you, or you can do that after the service. Just come to the front here and walk up to any of our pastors. They will hold your hand right here. You know, just pray a prayer of faith with you. And we trust God to move over your life in the name of Jesus. If you need any form of counseling, then after the third service, in the preteens tent, right at the back there, that's where we, we can actually spend more time in counseling with you and see how we can be of help. But if it's just for us to pray, feel free to come to the front here after the service. Praise God. I said, praise God. Matthew chapter 13. We're looking this morning at the parable of the sower. We have been looking at the power in the word of God and the fact that as a believer who wants to grow and who wants to strengthen, have a strong relationship with God, like the song from uh, uh, the Elevation Priest of Praise says this morning, that God wants to take us deeper. That we haven't seen the, 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 the God that we serve in the full stature yet. A little here, a little there. And we've seen his faithfulness and his hand over our lives in some measure. But as we go into the second half of this year, we believe that God wants to take us deeper in him. And if only you will consider the word of God to be as important as oxygen that you breathe in and breathe out, which is the main sustainer of your life. And you will view the word of God that way then we believe that you will start to change your attitude to the word of God. The word of God will no longer be uh, uh, what you read when you come to church, but it's what you read every day. Why? Because you don't, you, I mean, breathing is an involuntary action. You, you don't plan it, all right? When the word of God in your heart, coming to your heart, becomes like that, 
that that's what you think about all the time. That's what you literally breathe in. That's when you begin to live the fullness of life in the spirit. And last Sunday, I was talking about where do you source the raw materials, the ingredients for your thought from? Because thoughts come, the Bible says, out of multitude of business. Sometimes, you know, it's what you have seen, where you have been. And I said, when you live in a place like Nigeria, and God bless Nigeria, but at this material point in time, there are many things that will bring the seed of, of fear, of anxiety, of, you know, all sorts of things. Uncertainty, fear of the unknown, many things. I'm even sure that our leaders are also plagued with the fear of the unknown. They can put off the bold face. That's why we need to pray for them. But when you, we, you, you I mean, two Sundays ago, we were sharing about the average Lagosian. The average Lagosian is conditioned to behave in certain ways. The only way we will recondition ourselves not to be like that, not to believe that everybody is after you, so that even in traffic, as if they're going to pick up the road after you have passed. Everybody wants to, you know, and I'm sure it probably even happens outside of our car park here. <laughs> Let's say by faith that it doesn't happen here. <laughs> it's just by faith, I know. But, but that's what you can be conditioned to be like. But when you are more deliberate about where the raw materials from, for your thought comes, um, come from, then it, it becomes more your, your spiritual life becomes more interesting because that's when God starts to work in your life. And Jesus gave a parable about the potency of the seed of the word of God. And outside of that, that the, the, the word of God will always be potent. Isaiah 55, he, the, the, the prophet was prophesying and he said, talking about God, he said, so shall my word be that proceed out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish in everything, wherever I send it. That means the problem is never with the word of God. The problem is not God's promises. The problem is not about what God has said to us in his word. The word of God is potent. I say it all the time and I'm going to say it again that what is happening is not as important as what is written. What is written has the power to overtake, overrun, and overrule what is happening. But what is written, where do we put it? Where does it fall on, on your heart? In the scheme of things, how important is it to you? And what is the state of your heart? Because that's what determines what comes out eventually. So, Matthew chapter 13, I read from verse 1. On this day, Jesus went out out of the house and sat by the, the, the sea. And the great multitude were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables. Somebody say parables. parables. Oh, come on, say it again. Say parables. parables. So he said many things to them in parables. And this happened to be one of the parables. And this is very important. It, it resonates with the disciples. Matthew wrote about it. Mark also wrote about it. Saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. Somebody say wayside. And the birds came 
and devoured it. I devoured them. Some fell on stony places. Somebody says stony places. Oh, you need to preach with me this morning. It says stony places. So it says some fell on stony places where they did not have much hurt. And they immediately sprang up because they had no death of, of, of hurt. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground. Somebody say good ground. Good ground. Oh, come and say it again. Say good ground. Good ground. So some fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold. Some sixty. Some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. These were the words of Jesus. And was describing the efficacy of the word. And the fact that what determines how the word can be productive in your life. What we see, what we call testimonies. The proof and the demonstration of the goodness of God in the life of his people. Is not dependent on how powerful God is. Because it says, I give freely. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. The Bible says they are new every morning. For great is his faithfulness. That's Lamentation chapter 3, I think verse 34. So, uh, um, God is always new with his mercy, with his grace, with everything that is given to us. But how we get them to work in our lives depends absolutely on the state of our heart. And this morning we want to examine what the good ground should be like in this season of oxygen where we're taking in the word of God and we're getting deeper in the word where we want to focus on the word of God more than our food, our natural food because the word of God brings healing. The word of God brings establishment. The word of God can turn a bad marriage into a blissful home. That's how powerful the word is. The word word of God can turn a liar into somebody that is, permit the use of the word straight. Because these days, straight means many things. <laughs> I was speaking somewhere, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, uh, uh, same-sex marriage and gay and all that. And I'll say uh, 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 gay and the other kind of people. And then somebody just said straight. I said, oh, so that's what they call it, actually. Straight. And uh, all of us are straight. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I said, praise God. And we're raising straight people in this church. And we're going straight to heaven. In the name of Jesus. (laughs) Praise God. So, when the word of God starts to take root in someone's heart, what the scripture says is that the person starts to bring forth fruit. And the fruit that people see in your life is what makes them know that you are in God and God is in you. Are you still with me this morning? I said, are you still with me this morning? A seed is a unit of potential. 
So the word of God, the Bible says, is the seed. In the same Matthew 13, when you read verse 19, Christ started to explain the parable. And I'm going to get into it in a bit. And he said, the word of God is the seed. And the seed is a unit of potentials. It's a unit. It's what carries the potency of God into every situation in my life. The seed of the word in my heart. So when I show up, I'm not just showing up. God is showing up. Why? Because I'm a carrier of the seed of the word. And the seed is a unit of potential. Is somebody stay with me this morning. So as a believer, you can show up in a situation empty. If you don't have the word of God in your heart. What has God spoken to you concerning that situation with which you are confronting it? And is it growing in your heart to the end that starts to bring forth fruit? Because it's the fruit that you will bring up, up in your life that people really want to see. In Genesis chapter 1, when you read uh, verse 11 and 12, in verse 11, and God said, let the heart bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the heart, and it was so. And verse 12, and the heart brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after its kind, and a tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself. And after this kind, God, uh, after, and after his kind, and God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. God is, you know, very thoughtful. And he puts seed in the fruit to guarantee continuity. So, seed is always there. And the Bible is a basket of seeds. Are you still with me this morning? The word of God, the Bible, the written word of God is a basket of seeds. There are seeds in there for my healing. There are seeds in there uh, for, 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 my, for my holiness. There are seeds in there for, the peace of, for my peace of mind. There are seeds in there for my prosperity. There are seeds in there for marital bliss. There are seeds in there for academic success. For, for, there are seeds in there for business breakthroughs. Whatever you have in your heart, whatever the issues of life may be, there are seeds in the word of God that when we do plant them in our heart, they bring forth according to the intent of God. And the intent of God is taught John verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's his intent. He said, I wish above all things. This is my intention. Are you still here this morning? He said, are you still here this morning? So what it means, whether the potential of the world is realized or not, is where it is sown, not the world itself. So somebody may be saying, the first half of this year has gone, and I can't really say I have any testimony. Nothing is happening in my heart, in my life. It's time for us to check your heart. Because if truly you have been getting seeds into that place, then perhaps it's not the seed. Uh, as Pastor Steve was sharing in the first service, some people don't understand that the devil doesn't have a problem with you coming to church on Sundays. It's a policy for your conscience, right? That you're still in God. But his issue is that just come in, but don't pick anything. No seed in your heart, just go home. All right? Just come in and take a nap. And some people have diarrhea of speciality. All right? Just come into church, find one cool corner, and just dengue there. And just behave as if you're hearing anything. And just turn your, your head in one direction. 
And uh, when people say amen, as the message is closing and pastor is praying, then you wake up. Yeah, we're going to church. Yeah, glory to Jesus. Uh, I, I was the pastor's message. Oh, that guy can preach. <laughs> but what did he talk about? Uh, it was just great. All right? Is that, is that, is that not what, what happens a lot of the time? Because people just get into church, find a comfortable place, and, and I think Peter was com- confessing his sin too, uh, that those days when he used to follow his, his parents to the Anglican church, he just found a very good place. When it was time for intercession, you know, everybody would kneel down and put their head. And said he, he used to use it to catch up on his sleep that, uh, that he didn't finish before he left home. And some other times he has his guys, they would just connect somewhere and go. They know the time that the vicar will almost finish preaching. They'll come in like three minutes to the end of the message and get the summary. So that when they get in the car and, uh, you know, mommy's saying, ah, what's not So what did pastor share today? Ah, mommy is about grace. Uh-huh. And, and he said his mom just needed a, a snippet. The moment you mention one word, she will preach the rest for you. <laughs> I know most mothers are like that. Yeah, they'll just pick it from there and preach the rest. So you don't have to say much. Just make sure you know. <laughs> so that's how some people behave. Just come to church. Church coming is not supposed to be a palliative for your conscience. It's a place of divine appointment. It's a place where we get seed into our spirit. But don't Limit it to when you come to church. Pick seeds into your spirit every day. What are those seeds with meaningful conversation? What are those seeds with, with worship playing around you with an atmosphere that is carrying divine electricity that can in, ignite something and get something to start to grow in your heart to the end of the, 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 I mean to the end that revelation of God is catching fire in your spirit. Then you begin to see that. What is around can pave in, into insignificance. See, when a man starts to focus on the word of God, the Bible says, why we look not at the things which are seen? For the things which are seen are temporal. Temporal means subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Those are the ones inside. The seed that are put there. Right? So my wife may not have a baby right now, and we're trusting God. But I am rejoicing and behaving like a father of many children. And people don't understand why I am not dismayed and why I don't have a girlfriend outside. I don't understand what I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Why? Because there's a seed of the word of God in my heart that guards and guards in my heart. So that even when friends say they are nonsense, it, it, it can't get in. Is somebody still here this morning? I said, Are you still here this morning? All right, let's examine the good ground. The good ground. The good ground. Christ described a few types of, you know, ground in, in, in the word of God. And, you know, it's to the end that we understand one thing, that you can choose what kind of ground or heart your heart is to the word of God. You, you can literally choose. And it's my opinion also that if you choose not to be wayside, if you choose Uh, not to be the stony place, if you choose not to be the the thorny ground, then you are becoming more deliberate about what you want to choose to be like. Yeah. You're becoming more deliberate. Uh, From from my slide, you you, you see the the, the 
different ways, I mean, the different outlook that these things can have. You, you can choose. And you see, the devil plays a trick on us. <laughs> a lot of the time when it looks like we're not getting results and the word of God is not becoming as important as it used to be to us. And so, somebody may be here this morning, you, you don't even understand how important the word of God is supposed to be to you because maybe you just got saved not too long. Then you taking this message and take it in from the point of view of that, see, I need to shape my attitude to the word of God. It's more important than the food that I eat in the physical. The Bible says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. How we grow and develop roots in the kingdom of God is through the understanding of the word of God and how we allow it to come into our spirit. How we allow it to come into our spirit. So some people's, you know, heart is just wayside. Wayside. Why some people's heart is just what Jesus called the stony place. Some other is just filled with thorns and weeds. But he also spoke about the good ground. And even in, Jesus, in this parable, Jesus also described that the good ground has measures of output. He said some 100, some 60, some 30. But the one thing about the good ground is that it will bring forth. Even though it's in grades, but it will always bring forth. I'd rather be a good ground that's bringing forth 30 than to be the stony ground. But don't stop at 30. Because you've gotten some good stuff happening in your life this year. You've seen that your prayer life has improved this year. You've seen that fear is no longer gripping your heart this year. You're a bit, you know, relaxed, knowing that God is in control. And the word of God is making more sense to you. But don't stop there. Maybe you're getting 30-fold. It's time to move to 60-fold. And it's time to go all the way with God. The song that we heard this morning, it says, God is bigger than this. He said, this can't be it. Perhaps the writer of that song uh, was in 30-fold. He said, this can't be it. God is so much bigger than this. <laughs> is somebody still with me this morning? Is somebody still with me this morning? All right, let, 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 let's, let's go back to Matthew 13 and look at Jesus' um, explanation from verse 18 of Matthew 13. Are you still with me? Oh, tap your neighbor. Are you still here? Yeah, so you can meditate when you get home. But let's face the word here right now. <laughs> because somebody, some, some, you know, when, when people start to, uh, you know, do what I said before, uh, then when, you, when maybe your spouse says, uh, what's happening there? Say, I'm just meditating. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, it's not time to meditate. <laughs> Praise God. Matthew 13, and I read from verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, somebody say understand it, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is who, this is he who receives Receive the seed by the wayside. The wayside. The wayside. The way I want us to look at the wayside is a place where the seed of the world falls. It's high traffic. So many things happening there. Many going and coming. All right? And the Bible says on the wayside, 
birds are there, they can pick, you, you see, wayside. They can pick up stuff from there. Rodents will pass there and pick up stuff. Men will also pass and, you know, tread the seed underfoot. When you realize that your mind is not settled for understanding. You know, in conversation sometimes, somebody will say something to you. And the best thing for you to do, if you don't want to sound stupid or foolish, is to say, make me understand what you're talking about. Make me understand what you're talking about. Even in the things of the natural, and seven habits of highly effective people, Arkovay's book, one of the habits of highly effective people, he says, seek to understand, then to be understood. But some people live their lives in such a way that they don't seek to understand. They are always seeking to be understood. Such people are very argumentative. They hold their ground, even with God. Even though they say they are doing it with humility, but God, <laughs> even with God, they can argue with the dead and the living. I hope you understand what I'm saying. There's so many things on, it, they, their mind is wayside. People, things passing and going. High traffic. They never seek to understand stuff. They, for you to be an effective person, you need to learn to seek to understand. Then be understood. Many marriages are failing today because people don't seek first to understand before they seek to be understood. And when we bring that to our relationship with God and our attitude to the word of God, we pick things on the surface. And we pick what we want to believe, what we want to do, and what we don't want to do. And it can cause a lot of problems. That's why it's so easy because the seed cannot even get into anything. So the bird will come and pick it up because it's just lying there on the surface. Are you still with me this morning? I said, are you still with me this morning? I said, are you still with me this morning? So tell your neighbor for me, say, plow the soil. Plow the soil. For you to, to turn a wayside to a good ground, you need to first of all start by, by plowing the soil. Because when a soil is well plowed, you know the process of plowing, you have a tractor move over it with plowing equipment at the back to, to break the topsoil so that the seed can get into it. When you come into church with the right attitude, when you listen to the word of God with the right attitude, what you are doing is you are allowing the Holy Spirit to plow the topsoil of your heart. All right? When you listen to your spouse, now hear me well if you're married. And if you're in a relationship, you need to hear this too. When you listen to your spouse, when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you to be a good listener, what you are doing is, Holy Spirit, plow the topsoil of my heart. Are you still here this morning? I said, are you still here this morning? When you choose to be the kind of a person who is not recalcitrant, you listen to your boss. Most people who get promotions regularly are people who can take instructions and execute instructions because they have understanding. People whose journey in life will be slow 
not just in the things of the spirit, but also in the things of the physical, are people who are always glossing over things. I traffic people. Mind is always not at rest. And so many going out and coming in. It's time you calm down your soul. I was reading a book a few years ago. Um, uh, the writer of the book was describing how some people live their lives. So some people live their lives, you know, they're, uh, like they are in the war zone. So they are warriors. And you know what? The problem with, with the war zone is that you are always going, always going. And he said at some point they don't know when they have outrun their soul. So the soul is behind and you are in front. So you are running, but you are without a soul. At that point, people cannot even take one second to think about anything. Most decisions are completely wrong. Because you are so, you know, much on this high velocity, high frequency. And that's the time you need to slow down. And catch up with your soul, which is behind you. Have you met people before? You're talking to them, and it looks like they don't live in this world. <laughs> As in, their, 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 their talks show that they are, <laughs> they are out of touch. You understand what I'm saying? Are you talking, have, you talk, have you spoken to a married person before? And you just, in five minutes conversation, you're just wondering, why is this person married? He has no concept. He, he understood no, nothing about marriage at all. His soul, I mean, is right behind him as far as marriage is concerned. He's gone ahead of his soul. He needs to slow down and recover his soul back. That's when you start to be able to think properly and seek understanding and, and appreciate life. You just realize that you'll be more humane in your decisions. And it's not just about being born again. In fact, many, many people who are not saved are caught up in that more. Why? Because of the deceitfulness of riches. It takes a man whose soul is behind him and has gone ahead of his soul to pay the heart as a sin to kill a human being. Are we say together? Yes. <laughs> yeah. When people, you know, get to that point, you know, they're moving so fast. They are soulless. And it affects how they see everything. Somebody say, break, uh, plow the soil. Say it again, say, plow the soil. Or say it again, say, plow the soil. So a believer can get caught up in that, and at the same time, a believer, I mean, uh, uh, it, an unbeliever is also naturally, a wayside heart. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Because the unbeliever does not have the capacity to understand the word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 4, when you read verse 3 and 4, it said, but even if our gospel be veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in their heart. That means, naturally speaking, an unbeliever is a wayside. An unbeliever can sit and cross his leg in a service and listen to word from start to finish and everything, all the seed of the word is just on the surface because it's wayside. It gets out there. It doesn't even take time. By 4 p.m., 
He cannot remember anything that we said in church again. Birds have picked them out. If you remember the story of the Ethiopian Enoch in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 26, Philip was taken to this man by the Spirit of God while the man was sitting in his chariot and he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And um, the Holy Spirit directed Philip to talk to him. And as the chariot kind of slowed down a little, uh, Philip said, do you understand what you are reading? And the man said, how can I understand except somebody explains it to me? And then he asked Philip to come into the chariot with him. And he sat down, act of hate. Please go and read it when you get home. And he said, the Bible says, Philip explained the scripture to him. You know, and the man, the, the top soil of his heart became plowed. It then opened up to the word of God. The man gave his life to Christ. Uh, Philip said, if you don't mind, we can baptize you here right now. The chariot parked. And then they got into the river and was baptized. And he took the gospel to Ethiopia. But you see, many of our big men, because this was Ethiopia, you know, big man. Many of our big men, their chariots cannot slow down for any Philip to enter it. Yeah. So when you look at the, you see, most of the time we say the front end of their lives. We're always interacting with the front desk of their life. Go to the back end. You see the attributes of a life that does not have the seed of the word inside it. Because their chariots are too fast to slow down for a Philip to enter it and say, Do you understand what you are reading? Some of them don't even read nothing. Are you still with me this morning? I said, Are you still with me this morning? Secondly, Jesus spoke about and we're taking a journey down to the good ground. Please follow me. We're taking a journey down to the good ground. The second one Jesus spoke about here was, I mean, happened to be the stony ground. And my instruction this morning is break the rocks, remove the stones. Break the rocks, remove the stones. Tell your neighbor, say break the rocks, remove the stones. Don't forget we started with plow, plow the ground. Break the rock, remove the stones. If you choose to break the rock and remove the stones, you are taking a journey down to the good ground. When you get to the good ground, you will know. You will see how the word of God is bringing forth fruit in your life. You will see how the devil cannot take advantage of your heart. You will see how you have mastered fear and anxiety and you don't fret. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, be anxious for nothing. But said in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And in verse 8, it said whatever is good, if there's any virtue, any praise, whatever is of good report, he said, think on these things. That's when, he says, when you have settled your heart, then start to put the word of God inside it. Because it's seed, and it's going to stabilize your heart and your soul. But we start with preparing the heart for the word. Cloud the ground, break the rocks, remove the stones. The stony ground is a thin layer of soil with underlying rocks. The rocks prevent the seed from Putting down roots. And you must put down deep roots if you're going to walk with God. You, must, you have to put down deep roots. Now, the difference between this wayside and the stony ground is that it has a thin layer of soil. But underneath are stones. Underneath are stones. And the stones have a way of preventing the word of God to develop roots. The devil doesn't have any problem 
with you coming to church or listening to messages and all that, or reading the Bible, or following the oxygen devotional in this period, all he wants is that, let me put one rock there, so that the thing will not have any foundation. It will not have any roots that will go deep down. Or let me just make this heart a wayside, and position birds to come and pick it. So you get to the office on Monday morning, and somebody starts to, you know, say some things, and with what they are saying, they have picked everything that we said on Sunday. So from Monday, you are, what has been said has no relevance in your heart. By Tuesday, you are not even bothered about whether you want to do your devotional again or anything. The week just goes like that. Stony ground. Somebody say, break the rock. Break the rock. Remove the stones. Let's say it again. Say, break the rocks. Break the rocks. Remove the stones. Jesus spoke about the fact that there are rocks and stones that prevent us to have root down. When the sun comes, it says it's scorched the, 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 the plant that is growing there. Because something actually got down and started to grow. But the sun will come and scorch it. Why? Because there's no root down. And it's also because there's no root down that the person became so excited. Without understanding. You know some people hear something in church. Without understanding, they, they run. And they are... They are very excited, but the thing has not gained root inside them. Because when the thing gains root inside you, the word of God becomes the anchor for your soul. It becomes the anchor for your soul. The plant died because of the trial, the heat that, that came from the scorching uh, sun. And, but it's not just because of that that it died. It died because there was no root. It didn't have root deep enough to deal with the trials. So our roots help, help us to face difficulties. When the word of God has taken its depth in your heart, so certain things that will happen to you, you will not fret. Why? Because your soul has been anchored on the immutability of his counsel. Yeah. So they called Jesus, for instance, and he said, your friend Lazarus is dead. And Jesus said, he's not dead, he's asleep. Thomas said, if he's asleep, eh, they'll wake him up. Let's, uh, let's, 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 let's continue what we're doing. But Jesus said, we will go and wake him up. In life, perspective is very important. And where the root of the word is, is what creates perspective. For somebody, Lazarus is dead. For some other person, Lazarus is asleep. If the word of God says, I shall not die, but live to declare the works of God. Then, even when I get a doctor's report, the anchor for my soul is in the word of God. I hope you understand what I'm saying. At that point, I don't begin to say, ah, okay, let me just write my will. Because they have spoken. Who? Who? The Bible says, who is he that say it? When the Lord of hosts has not commanded it. So when you have your, the root of your heart into all those things, and I mean those things have root in your heart, that, those are the things that start to come up in your heart. So somebody gets, the difference between the believer that has the word of God developing root in his heart, and the one 
that has the stony ground, that the word of God has no root, is that when both of them get the same medical report, one starts to say, glory to the Lamb of God. He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by stripes I've been made whole. While the other one will say, it is finished. If it's from uh, the side of the country that I came from, we say, Moku, Mugbe. Have you heard that before? What's it on? It is finished. Why somebody is saying, I shall not die, but leave. Why? Because the word has taken root. The effect of the word is stronger than medical report. But the other person, the word has, has no root. Glory be to Jesus. So, who do you think will bear fruit out of the two? Somebody said it is finished. I'm dead. And all that. Then it, will, it has to be finished. And the one who has the word of God in the root of his heart, obviously will bring forth fruit. And we have a testimony. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not a magician. He's a miracle worker. Are you still with me? Can I say that one more time? I said, God is not a magician. He's a miracle worker. And when you talk about miracles, we'll work it. Part of the way to work miracles with God is to prepare your own heart for the seed of his word. He's not a magician. He's a miracle worker. Jesus sat and was telling these parables into the life of people that he wants to work miracles in their life. But just to help them to understand that this, is, this whole process is not an end in itself. You, need, you have a part to play. And that's to prepare your heart. So prepare your heart. Stones are traditions. Factors that have conditioned us to take stands. Or assume positions that are contrary to the word of God. They prevent us from having depth and foundation in the word. When you hear people say things like, Saints are not on earth, they are in heaven. When they want to commit evil, alright? So I don't know what they say. Have you somebody? I mean, somebody told me that before. And I paused for a minute to say. Ah, that's some big rock there. Are we still together? That's some big rock there. That kind of person cannot believe that you can walk the walk of righteousness with Jesus. Paul writing, he says, sin shall not have dominion over you. When I have my root, I mean, that word has roots in my heart, I can't then say that saints are not on heart. And Paul was writing all through the epistles. He would say to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Colossae, are they on heart or in heaven? And that does not connote that Paul was saying that they were perfect people. But they're people who have the word of God written in their heart and is bearing fruit. And they're getting better every day. I can't say saints are not on earth, so I can't, I'm not a saint. So I can't misbehave. That's a big rock somewhere there. Are you still with me this morning? I said, are you still with me this morning? And you hear everyone helps those who help themselves. So, 
You come to church, but you have one leg in the world and one leg with one baba. So, when, when everyone is ready, we are here. And when everyone says, help yourself, then we are here. That's a big rock somewhere. Because you hear the word of hope and the word of faith, and it will not be able to get in. That thing is underneath it. That thing is, is underneath it. And some people come to, what? The, uh, to, to the church, and the big rock there is a critical spirit. Yeah, critical spirit. Sometimes they're very learned. Some other times they're just basically ignorant. So they sit and um, listen for what a young pastor would say. All right? With a very critical spirit. It's a big rock underneath there. So you can read one old chapter of the Bible. Do you know, you, you, you know there are people who criticize Apostle Paul? Well, I, I don't know about you, but as a pastor, I read commentaries, I read stuff. And there are some people, professors of theology, they're going to hell. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> Paul, with all the signs and wonders and all that God used him to do, and he wrote, you know, epistles and all that, and they would tear Ephesians to pieces and say maybe Paul was drunk when he was writing this, you know, and all that. And I was wondering, where do you get this Oluma rock from? <laughs> if God knew you were smarter, he would have used it to write to the Ephesians. <laughs> so why did he choose Paul? And what's your problem? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in him, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. That's the will of God for us. That's the will of God for us. Lastly, this morning, tell your neighbor, remove the weeds and the thorns. Oh, come and say it again. Say, remove the weeds and the thorns. Oh, let's say it again. Say, remove the weeds and the thorns. The reason why the word of God does not bring forth as much in some people's life uh, is because of the weeds and the thorns. The weeds and the thorns. What thorns are taking up your spiritual energy and choking the word of God in your life? You need to be able to identify them. You need to be able to identify them. You need to be able to identify them. Some people have thorns in their finances. When it comes to money, you've made up your mind about certain things and notwithstanding what anybody says, Some people have thorns in marriage. You made up your mind about some things and notwithstanding what anybody says, and this thorn is choking the word of God. Jesus described some of the thorns. He said, beware of the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. He said, these are the thorns. And can I say to someone here this morning, money is not everything. Money is good. The Bible says money is a defense. But money is not everything. That's why Jesus said, beware of the deceitfulness of riches. Some people will barricade their heart when it comes to money issues for the word of God. Just keep it, keep it. That word, let it stay. When we finish this transaction, word will come. And, the, that, and that, that, that's, 
stones. It's choking the word of God and the efficacy of the word in your life. Tap your neighbor for me. Say money is good. And you're going to have a lot of it. But it's not everything. Praise God. I said praise God. So Jesus said, be careful. And, and, and as a roundoff, I, I need you to hear this. Worries and cares go on to drain our spiritual energy and choke the word of God in our heart and make our heart filled with thorns. Destroy the potency of the word. And you must give the word of God the first place in your life if it will bring forth fruit. Matthew chapter 6, when you read from verse 31, Jesus actually told us that it's possible for you to take thoughts. And the thoughts you take in can become thorns and weeds in your life. So he said, therefore, take no thought. Somebody take, say, take no thought. Oh, tap your neighbor for me. Say, don't take it. Say, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewith us shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father know that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Tell your neighbor, say, take no thought. So, as we take the thoughts here and there, we are literally bringing in weeds and thorns. And when the thoughts gain root, they start to stifle the potency of the word of God. That's what happens. The word of God is always powerful. Nothing is stronger in this world than it. There are forces that govern the universe. The force of the word of God is the supreme force. When God was creating the heart, except you don't believe the Bible, when God was creating the heart, all he needed to do was to speak. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the heart. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. The heart was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the waters, and God said. That means the supreme force, the universe, is the force of the world.